0: Good morning. Wow, three Sundays in a row. I found myself wondering this week uh, if I've been setting any trends. Roughly the same hairstyle each week. Though those with very big screens at home may notice millimeters of growth on the sides. For fashion, last week was blue pants with a shirt that was mostly khaki. And this week, I've managed a completely new concept by putting the khaki on bottom and blue on top. Radical stuff for me. In all seriousness, though, what the three weeks have in common for me is lots of studying, pondering, praying, writing, and deleting, and rewriting, trying to get the words just right and knowing that I never will. But trusting that our faithful God will fix what I mess up and connect what is important to your hearts and minds. And this is the final trend, you. You at home and you in this sanctuary. I'm so glad that you have made it a priority to worship our amazing, faithful, mysterious God who makes himself knowable. And I know that's more than a trend. It's about commitment. And it's an honor for me to try to bring some of God's truth today to the Ivanris family as we remain committed to our faithful God and each other the struggles of this pandemic. I take God and his word very seriously, but myself, not so much. About 80 years ago, a man named Jim Rayburn and some teammates founded Young Life. And as the ministry grew, he used to say, it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel. So as we again look at our trying God for 20 or 25 minutes or so, and specifically at the Holy Spirit... My goal is not to let this very good news get boring. First, a few key ideas about the Trinity. Our triune God is one essence and three persons in perfect community. And in order for perfect community to exist, love and humility are essential. The word persons is awkward for us because we learned early on in life that one human is a person But two or more are people. For the Trinity, though, the word person is used in a different sense. Our God is one essence, one what. But at the same time, also three persons, three who's. And for those who have been here or watched at home the past two weeks, we focused upon the love of the Father and the Son and the humility of the Father and the Son. And we will see both of those qualities today in the Holy Spirit. Three quick Trinity subpoints: there is unity in diversity in the Trinity. Three distinct persons always in agreement, which reflects the fact that they are one God with a common will. Next, there is equality in dignity in the Trinity. The Son is begotten from the Father, and the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and Son, leading to the language of the Father as the first person of the Trinity, the Son the second and the Holy Spirit the third. And for most of us, first, second, and third is Olympic gold, silver, and bronze thinking. Or to flip that over, good, better, and best thinking. Again, God is God, and we are not. And in his reality, all three persons of the Trinity have coexisted for all of eternity as one God. So there's no silver or bronze medalist. Finally, there's diversity in operation. At Jesus' baptism, he gets wet. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove and God the Father says, this is my son and I am pleased with him. As one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do different tasks, always in perfect unity with one another. Remember when you were five and you knew pretty much everything there was to know about stars. They had five points, they were white, and they were way up in the sky at night. And then when you were six or seven, someone told you that the sun was a star, even though it was round and yellow, and that messed with you a little bit, or maybe just messed with me, still does. Ever since, every time uh, you learn one or two new things about the heavens, you realize that there are at least three or four more things that you don't know. Albert Einstein famously said, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Yet he chose to keep on learning. And that I believe is the posture that God desires from us, to learn about him and keep on learning which in turn will help us realize that he is even more mind-bendingly beyond our wildest imagination. Once again, Francis Chan reminds us the point is not to completely understand God, but to worship him. Let the very fact that you cannot know him fully lead you to praise him for his infiniteness and grandeur. This morning, let's read the first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2. Famously starring the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It's on page 883 of your Pew Bibles, and it will also be on the screen if you prefer to follow along that way. So page 883 in your Pew Bibles, and if you do open your Pew Bibles, uh, keep them open uh, for a little bit because we'll, um, we'll move beyond those first 13 verses. Waiting for the pages to stop rustling. There we go. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-freeing Jews from every nation under heaven Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. This is the word of God. Pentecost is the Greek name for the festival of weeks, a major celebration in the Jewish calendar commemorating God's gift of the Ten Commandments, 50 days after the exodus from Egypt. It was also called the Feast of Harvest, and devout Jews would present offerings of the first fruits of their spring crops, and Jewish law required all of their adult men, if at all possible, to come to Jerusalem for the celebration from wherever they were living. So this is not the first Pentecost, but it is the birthday of the church as we know it today. We will jump around in scripture a bit this morning, but I wanted to start here to show you something beautiful about the Holy Spirit. Before I do, though, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The third person of the Trinity is not a mystical force, some sort of expression of the Father and Son, one that comes and goes whenever they decide to do something. The Holy Spirit is the third person person of the trinity a he or a she spirits don't have gender but never an it to accomplish this Pentecost miracle I can think of three options one the Holy Spirit could have arrived with the same violent wind sound same tongues of fire but with a heavenly language for everyone to speak and understand but he didn't do that a second option would have been for the disciples to speak their usual combination of local Greek and Aramaic, but for everyone listening miraculously to hear that as their heart language. Didn't do that either. Instead, God gives the disciples the ability to speak in the heart languages of all the people present. And they are astounded. Why this third option? Remember a common theme of both God the Father and God the Son, making it very clear they had no interest in being a distant God? And over all of Acts 2, we see the same will of our triune God in the Holy Spirit, delivering the very good news of the gospel to this great variety of listeners in their heart language, letting them know that they are not outsiders to this message that God brings his message of grace and truth all the way to their hearts, helping them to understand that this was a message that they could bring home with them. God was a huge fan of languages and cultures back then, still is a huge fan of languages and cultures today, mostly because they were and still are his idea. God promises that heaven itself will have people of every tribe, tongue and nation and this pentecost is an amazing preview of that reality we stopped reading in verse 13 but the rest of the chapter weaves old testament prophecy into the very recent life death resurrection and ascension of jesus story then in verse 38 peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit And 3,000 people make that commitment. The chapter closes with this depiction of the infant early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why didn't this happen the day before or the week before? And where does Peter gain the confidence and ability to speak the gospel so clearly? which would continue through his persecution and death many years later for the sake of the gospel. The answer, you guessed it, is the Holy Spirit, God himself, dwelling in a new way in the hearts of all who believed. And likely at the end of this amazing day, the disciples would have looked at each other and said, so that's what Jesus was talking about. Back in John 14, Jesus told them, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The disciples had witnessed Jesus ascending to heaven, but now they had the same God in a different person, the Holy Spirit, as their advocate living within them and among them. Were the NIV has advocate, some translations have comforter. And the message paraphrase simply uses the word friend. And what does this supernatural advocate, comforter, friend do for the disciples and people like us today? He dwells within, he helps and teaches and reminds us of what Jesus taught. And he brings peace to our troubles And fears. In John 16, Jesus says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. And that's the verse my eighth grade daughter Audrey used in her Holy Spirit project at Moline Christian. I'll say that again Holy Spirit project at Moline Christian. I did not have a Holy Spirit project in any of my Christian education along the way. I love that we're doing a better job with this third person of the Trinity today. And in her uh, project, she used a map to illustrate this truth. In her commentary on her project, Audrey wrote, God creates the map for our lives and gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us and carry out that plan, a wise insight. From a 13-year-old. We're on the broken side of eternity, so life is sometimes incredibly difficult, even tragic. And I'm sorry if a well-intended Christian has told you it's okay or don't be sad in the midst of your grief, because tragedy is not okay, and grieving is hard but healthy. Even in the midst of the darkest valleys, the Holy Spirit, your advocate, comforter, and friend is with you, guiding you toward truth, which ultimately is Jesus himself. And when you get to a place in life where words simply do not work very well because you are troubled or confused or empty, so you have no clue what to pray or maybe even how to pray, guess what? In Romans, Paul writes, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Yes, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. So when your most honest prayer is your tears, or maybe the simple word help, trust that the Holy Spirit fills in all of the blanks for us. In all of these ways and many more, the Holy Spirit is very, very good to us. So how should we treat him? Paul reminds the Ephesians, "...do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Today, tomorrow, and all the days after that, the ways that we treat each other, including the words that we use, have the ability to honor the Holy Spirit or to grieve him. We will fall short of his glory, but with his help, let's strive more and more to treat each other well, to express our gratitude to God himself for the help. To closing, so what's. Some would say that the primary sign that a church is in sync with the Holy Spirit is lots of people speaking in tongues, public prophecies and healings, the very visible supernatural stuff. I've heard some tongues, both public and private, and I know that the Spirit of God still heals and chooses to show up in more obvious ways, and we should not minimize any of that. The Holy Spirit is real, alive, and well. Still, I believe that the primary sign that we are in sync, that we are listening to and following the Holy Spirit is growth. Are we growing individually and collectively as the body of believers that is Ivanrest Church? John Stott puts it this way. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. Are we growing in discipleship, in our understanding, in our Christ-likeness, and in our witness? Spirit of the living God fall fresh on us and grow us to be more like Jesus. And here's the second, so what? A little more personal. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? How many are there? Every school teacher's dream. Nine of them. So seven is a correct answer. Good job. Um, Two, anything less than seven, you're right. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Thank you, Renee, for that reminder. And self-control. Tell somebody nearby, or maybe just silently tell yourself, how many of these nine do you have? The correct answer for every Christian is the same all nine. In the New Testament, there are different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and some are given more than others. But did you ever notice that Paul uses the singular fruit of the Spirit in Galatians? So it's fruit of the Spirit and not fruits of the Spirit. So if you think, ah, peace is for other people, or I'm just not a patient person and never will be, Or that bad habit or temptation is simply too big to control. I have some good news. It's the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of you or me. And in addition to being all-powerful and all-knowing and so much more than we can ever be because He is God and we are not, the Holy Spirit delivers this amazing fruit basket as soon as we have relationship with Him. So what if some of... Those fruit basket items are not showing up in our lives. Do we simply need to try harder to make them happen? Instead of making the fruit of the Spirit about us, I encourage you to make them about Him, the Holy Spirit, the perfect source of them all. So rather than spending more time to be like God, we need to spend more time with our triune God in his word, in prayer. And even throughout the day, simply taking moments to be still and to know that he is God. And remember, fruit grows on trees. It grows on trees. So ask the Holy Spirit to grow the peace or the patience or the gentleness or the self-control or whatever other fruit seems more hidden in you. Max Lucado famously said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And guess what? Because our triune God is perfect love, the Holy Spirit, God himself comes all the way to broken people like us, offering himself and providing all the help that we need to be more like him and in forever relationship with our triune God. Let's pray. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you glory and honor and thanks and praise in our own feeble, broken ways and treasure the truth that you accept these offerings from people like us. Holy Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us and help us to be more and more like Jesus. May your fruit be more abundant in us and may others sense you more in us uh, as you uh, fill us with your peace and your transforming power. Thank you, God, for this time together and for your word that still speaks to us today. We love you, Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.